All right, welcome back to another episode of Sea Student Theology. My name is CJ Pierce. I am the pastor at White Sulphur Baptist Church in Georgetown, Kentucky, and our goal here in every episode is to try and make Christianity accessible to the average person. Recently, we've been doing some or having some conversations with different pastors from different denominations, exploring a little bit of what makes us different, but more importantly, showing how we are unified in the gospel. And today, I have a very special guest with me. I have my father-in-law, Pastor Carl Kelleher, who is an Assembly of God pastor, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself a little bit further, and also I'm going to ask him to share with us right off the bat his testimony and how he came to Christ. Hey, this is Carl Kelleher. I gave my life to Christ when I was 10 years old, grew up in Granite City, Illinois, near St. Louis, Missouri, and my mom was a backslidden lady single, raising two little boys. Uh, she had been through a divorce, and and uh, she was working as a waitress at Cliff's Grill in Granite City, Illinois, and a preacher came into the shop one day and started talking to her about Christ, and she went to church. That night, she got saved. My brother got saved. I got saved, and from there, our lives turned around. Awesome. So how did you end up uh, in the assembly of, in the assemblies? Well, I have an uncle that started either 16 or 18 uh, Pentecostal churches, Church of God churches, and so my mom had a Pentecostal background, and the preacher that came into the uh, restaurant that day, Cliff's Grill, just happened to be Assembly of God. Okay, gotcha. So he got her going to that church. He got her going to that church, and we went there for about a year or so, and then we moved to Kentucky. Okay. And how did you, what, what what was it like to have the call of ministry on your life? When did you know, and how did that kind of develop? When we got saved, when I got saved and my brother got saved, I was 10, he was 7. Uh, I started teaching Sunday school by the time I was about 12 years old. We were in a, a little Assembly of God church in Murray, Kentucky. And uh, church became our life. We didn't just go to church and listen to a preacher, but we got involved. I was leading worship, teaching Sunday school. And from a young boy, I just felt the call of God on my life. Gotcha. And then you ended up going to Bible college. Where did you go? Went to school at Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. That's, that's where the Assemblies of God have their headquarters. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, so as far as Assemblies of God go, I know a little bit about them just from being in the family for, you know, it's been almost 12 years now. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. <laughs> Bethany, is crazy. Bethany and I have been married 10 years in March, um, and we dated for a couple years before that. Um, so I do know a little bit about it just because of being close to the family, but um, also being raised Baptist and being a Baptist pastor, I know there are some differences. So uh, my hope is that you could give us kind of just a snapshot of what does it mean to be an Assembly of God member. You know, before I'm an Assembly of God pastor, I'm a, uh, I'm a child of God. And I think there's so many things that the devil uses to try to divide us. And the Assemblies of God have got 16 fundamental truths. We have four cardinal doctrines, and they are healing. We believe God still heals the sick. We believe in salvation. You know, the only way to be saved is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe in the rapture of the church, found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, and we believe that that could be at any time. But the, the doctrine that sets us apart would be the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 
Okay, gotcha. Can you can you tell me more about that? I mean, um, how how does that usually show up, or when would when would a Christian typically experience that? Or I think there's a whole lot of people that do not understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. As soon as a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of them. First Corinthians chapter three says, "Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit." And so every born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Assemblies of God would say, we believe that everybody can have their prayer language. Uh, speaking in tongues doesn't save anybody. There's, there's, there's a couple of type of tongues. There's the gift of tongues found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where if somebody speaks in tongues, there always, always has to be an interpreter. And then there's the, your prayer language. The Bible says in the book of Jude, praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we do not, and let me specify that, we do not believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. But we do believe that it could be a gift for every believer. Okay, yeah, that's super helpful. So I know, you know, when, someone's, when someone uses the word Baptist, uh, that could be a really big tent, right? Or an umbrella with a lot of things underneath it. So... Um, would you guys, uh, say that you experience that also with the term Pentecostal, that there's maybe some things that get that label that you'd rather not be super close to, or, you know, sometimes when you say Pentecostal, Mm -hmm. it scares people because of misconceptions, you know, they picture people handling snakes. I don't handle snakes. (laughs) Nobody in the assemblies of God handles snakes. Uh, but, uh, like I said, before I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a child of, of, of God. But there are a whole lot of uh, misunderstandings because we've got so much in common with the Baptist, the Methodist, the Pre- Presbyterian, the Lutheran. We believe that the Bible's the Word of God. We believe that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be saved. The Assemblies of God, though, is a great—it's not a denomination. It's, it's, it's really a fellowship. Okay, gotcha. What do you think is behind the success of the Assemblies of God as far as their their numbers? I mean, the, the reach of missions around the world, they, they seem to be very successful in their efforts. Well, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to do this, and it just didn't work. And so I just <laughs> I Googled a couple of things. The Assembly of God throughout the world is 70 million strong throughout the world. Uh, we're in about 140 different countries. Uh, 677 million people around the world claim to be either Pentecostal or charismatic. And charismatic simply means they believe in the gifts. So, but I think the, the reason why the assemblies of God are strong is because there's accountability. You know, uh, I pastor a church with a, with a deacon board and an elder board, so there's accountability. But I think one, one reason the assembly of God is so strong We have 13,000 churches in the United States, but I think one reason why we're so strong is we take the Great Commission very, very seriously, where Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So so if we were to, we're talking about it, you know, kind of globally, if we were to bring it down to Scott County, um, there there seems like like there's a pretty good network of Assembly of God churches in, in the area. Um, and I've seen you guys be super active in the community. Like you guys have a, um, Trinity has a, an event called loving Scott County. Right. And we see those stickers on cars. And, um, that's one thing that I really appreciate is the love for the local community. Um, 
one of the questions that I've been asking everyone that I have these conversations with is why is it important for pastors to build relationships with other pastors across denominational lines, especially in their community? You know, James Dobson had a statistic several years ago. I think 1,000 to 1,500 pastors every month are leaving the ministry. And I feel sorry for the guy that's out there by himself that doesn't, because we're a family. We're, the Bible says we're the body of Christ, and every part of the body is important. So I'm not a big denominational guy. I am an assembly of God, and I do cooperate with my fellowship. But Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and all the de- denominations that believe the Bible is the Word of God, and they're preaching the Word of God, we are a team. And the reason we're not reaching our world like we need to reach our world is because we let our little differences separate us. And I think that's a trick of the enemy. Yeah. No, I think you're right on. We we were just talking about in one of our Sunday school classes last week, um, one, of the, one of our teachers pulled up a, a number that said uh, there's about 65 different sub-denominations of Baptists Ooh. out there, 65. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm sure that I know that even within Presbyterianism that there's sub-denominations. I know that, you know, like I said, Pentecostal is a big umbrella that a lot of things fall underneath. But um, it is, it's unfortunate, I think, that there's so many, right, divisions because some some can be helpful. Just for example, like the way that we structure a Sunday morning worship service, that might be different. Um, and so we physically worship in different places on a Sunday morning. But that doesn't mean that we're not brothers and sisters down the street from each other. That's very true. Right, on Sunday morning. Um, and so there's some of those like practical differences that I, I think we agree that there are those differences, but they're not dividing in the sense that we're not of the same faith, right, or of the same unity. You know, I get so frustrated with people that they think, hey, if you don't go to my church and you're not a member of my denomination, that you're not saved. And, you know, the Bible says in Romans 10, you know, believe in the Lord with all your heart, you know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you shall be saved. And it's not that title above the door that saves us. It's the blood of Jesus and the cross that saves us. And that's what we've got to capitalize on. There, there's too many pastors out there because the enemy's fighting like never before. We are seeing a great falling away. A lot of churches are doing things that don't line up with the Word of God. But if anybody preaches the Word of God, then that's my brother, and I need to stand beside my brothers. No, that's really good. So uh, this coming Sunday, I'm going to be preaching uh, in Mark chapter 9, and there's this situation where I think it's John. The, the, the disciples are all walking together with Jesus. I think it's John that comes up to him, and he says, Jesus, there's, this, there's these guys over here. They don't follow us but they're casting out demons in your name. And Jesus, uh, he, he kind of says, like, basically leave them alone because he said if they're not against us, then they're for us, right? That's so true. Um, and, and really it's this idea of that there is the universal church around the world outside of denominations. That, Like you've said, anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that's my brother or sister. That's so true. Um, and, and so we see, we see Jesus, in a sense, teaching that also in the scriptures because if we're not careful we start acting like gangs instead of churches right and we start seeing each other as rivals or competition why do you think that that is so easy to slip into especially when you're pastoring in the same community with other churches like why do we start seeing each other as competition you know i think it's sad uh maybe a church down the road is 
running a little bit more in, in attendance than you are. And, and if, if we're not careful, it does become a competition game. And we're not in competition with one another. We're supposed to be a team. You know, it's like the parable of the talents. You know, God gave all of us different talents. And, uh, but we're just responsible to use our talents, not, not to compare ourselves with the pastor down the road. I think that's a trick of the enemy. He wants us to do that so we won't work together. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so sometimes, like you brought up, you can look down the road and you see a church, you know, it's got 500 people or 1,000 people and you've got, you know, 100 people or 65 people or something. Um, what would you say to that pastor that's got the smaller church but is being faithful? Is there a way that you could think of to, like, encourage him? You know, I look at a guy that God told to build the ark. God was going to destroy the world by a flood, and he looked for somebody that he said, hey, would you build this ark? It took him 100 years to build the ark, and he was faithful to build that ark, and he preached the word for 100 years, right at 100 years, and people laughed at him. But, you know, he was faithful, even though he only reached him and his family. But he was faithful because he did what God told him to do. And I want to hear the Lord say to me one day, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, Carl, how big was your church or how much money did you have in the bank or how much did you give to missions? But were you faithful to do what I told you to do? Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, and I think that some of that faithfulness comes from working with each other, right? Churches in the same community. I think it's really hard to be completely faithful when you when you make yourself an island unto yourself. Why should God bless a church? A lot of churches become little bless me clubs. They, you know, we go to church to be equipped so we can reach our world for Christ. And so many times we go to church for an hour, or hour and a half, and we think, okay, I've I've done, I, I can check that off of my list, but we go to church to be equipped. And if we're not careful, we never reach beyond the walls of the building. You know, the church is not the building. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. And we have got to respond. I, I truly believe God will bless a church that's doing what they're supposed to do. And it's not having an hour service but it's not just the preacher's job to build a church. It's all of our responsibilities to build the church. We are the church. But the Bible says the, the harvest is, is very, very ripe, but the labors are few. And it's time to, to get busy and say, here are my gods. Use me. Send me. And he doesn't just use pastors. He uses all of us. Yeah, that's really good. Um, do you see any obvious opportunities in Georgetown or Scott County for churches to be more involved? Are there... Um, organizations or um, areas that you could see really could use ministering to or some churches to get behind them specifically? You know, I think I've been doing this now for 43 years, started when I was 22. I've never seen a more mixed up world than I'm looking at right now. The world is so mixed up and we want to lean towards the Republicans or the Democrats are the White House, and we can't blame those people. God's looking for the church house to do what they're supposed to do because we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And if we don't, if the Bible says if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. And I think the answer to our world's problems is not a Republican Party or Democratic Party, but God is calling the, the church to rise up. And we need to pray, God, 
you know, open the eyes of our hearts. The harvest is ripe. Our world's mixed up and messed up, but we've got the greatest message in all the world. It's the gospel. Good news. Yeah. Yeah. So just finding practical ways to take that to the community at large, it's really good. Um, so as far as uh, working together, um, are, do you see anything where uh, you think churches in our area could be doing that better in a, in a more specific area? Like, are there rallying points or um, what about what about outside of let's maybe if we don't talk about the church as a whole, but just Christians on a day to day basis, maybe at the more individual? Um, are there ways that they can uh, work shoulder to shoulder for the gospel? Um, even if their churches aren't necessarily doing something? You know, I think there's so many ways that we need to work together. You know, you're a Baptist pastor. I'm an Assembly of God pastor. You know, I know some uh, other Baptist pastors in town. And we just need basically to, to call a huddle, get together and say, what can we do to touch our community for Christ? I, I used to do a program in Tennessee when I pastored in Tennessee for 18 years. It was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. It was a drama presentation of <laughs> you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. That's the yeah. reality. And we would have 150 people that would get saved in three days' time. Now, not all those people would come to the Assembly of God Church, but they went to church. Yeah. And that's the object of getting people saved and getting them plugged into a local body. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny you brought that up because Bethany's told me about that. And she said that it was so scary she got saved every time it would happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Bethany, she needed to get saved. <laughs> All right. So uh, one last question. Um, you know, we've our, my, my main focus in these conversations is to show the unity um, while being able to talk about our differences. Um, but if but we do need to be honest and say that there's times where we would draw a line, right, and probably not participate in something or or work together with another. Um, body that calls themselves a church for whatever reason. Um, could you think of some examples of that? Like, what would be kind of a deal breaker? You know, there are churches right now that are compromising the gospel. They're accepting things that do not line up with the Word of God. I love them. I pray for them. But I don't want to be associated with them. If If they're going to condone things that the Bible says that are wrong, then I'm not going to associate with that. Yeah. 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 And, I, and you know what? I think there's, uh, I think there's going to be a lot more of that as we head into the future, unfortunately. And so part of my hope with these conversations is again, like I've said over and over um, to show that we, we don't need to be bickering with other denominations that uh, hold conservative theology, right? Where they, both of us uh, hold to the inerrancy of Scripture, right. and we believe it's God's Word. We believe in the gospel that you can only be saved, right, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So um, you know, we, both of us would affirm the virgin birth, for example, the incarnation. Right. Right. I mean, all of these things, uh, we're all on the same page with those. Right. And so we don't need to be bickering. We need to be allies because the world's getting darker um, and more difficult. And maybe, you know, maybe our country is headed in a in a way that's going to be uh, sending some more persecution towards Christians who don't compromise on certain things. So hopefully we can see each other as allies, right? The Presbyterians, the Assembly of God, the Baptists in, in these areas. And if we'll do that, I just got back from a trip to Alaska. And even though it's one of our states, I felt like I was in another country. Yeah. Because it's so far away. But I went to a little island called Cake, Alaska. 
500 people on that island, and 15 of us went there to paint the church and to put up insulation. And the neat thing about it is the Presbyterian church that was there and the Assembly of God church and the Salvation Army church, they all work together. And at the end of the week, that whole island knew that we were there because the churches work together. And it's like the old song says, if we all pull together, pull together, how happy we'll be. If the different denominations that are preaching the word of God will pull together as a team, there's not a devil in hell that can stop us. Yeah, amen to that. I totally agree. Um, honestly, I'd like to leave it on that note because <laughs> that was that was super encouraging. Um, do you have any other thoughts on, on the stuff that we've talked about? Any uh, last pieces of encouragement or wisdom you'd like to leave the listeners? You know, I don't know who will listen to this message, but if you're a pastor out there, being a pastor sometimes can be the loneliest job in the world. It's a great job. It's the highest calling in all the world. Uh, it's the highest calling in all the world, but a pastor carries a very, very heavy load, you know, because I don't know if you're a true pastor. If you're a true pastor, you carry a very, very heavy load and don't carry that load alone. Reach out to another pastor. Let that and, and reach beyond your denominational lines and let let other pastor friends become your brothers in Christ. Because it's like the Bible says, you, you know, uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So let's pull together in these last days like never before. Yeah, amen. All right, well, I appreciate you joining us today. I don't want to take up too much of your time. We did attempt to do this. I think this is our third attempt. Um, and so thankfully, we had some people that, that came together and uh, they purchased some new equipment just for us to use to keep this show going. And so we've been able to use that and that made all the difference that made this episode and interview possible. We're using it right now. So again, thank you um, for doing that. If you were one of the ones that contributed uh, again, my name is CJ Pierce, and today we had uh, Pastor Carl Kelleher with us. Um, again, I would encourage you to keep on studying the differences and, and know what you believe and why you believe it, but be willing to have conversations with people uh, that see things slightly differently because you can be so blessed from an alternate perspective, even if it just sharpens your own convictions in that way. So again, I remind you to keep on studying. 